Good day to you, brothers, sisters, friends, and new faces. Welcome to Current Events and Christian Expectations. And today we're going to continue our talk with the current event of the transgender phenomenon and what the Bible has to say about it. In this podcast, we'll address our sexual assignments and where Scripture speaks. Today, we'll lead off with Psalm 12, 1 through 4, and as usual, we'll have several other scriptures that we'll reference and read today, and we'll put those in the overview. So, with the transgender challenges as our primary focus, let's just dig right in. Okay, first, we just want to address a uh, etymological error on the last podcast. We talked about compound words, and I was just using more compound words to illustrate the fact of what we have in the Greek word of uh, Paul's word for what we translate as homosexual. I was using the word male, and uh, male is a prefix, and went to a website and had male, malevent, malevent, and all those kind of words, which I used to think, because I took etymology in, in college, uh, I would go back to the Latin, mal, meaning bad, mm-hmm. not meaning gender. But there was a word on the, on the site that was maleness, which is gender and, you know, of the male. Mm-hmm. So, but we have an astute listener who said, no, he thought it was pretty much, it was still Latin. So I said, okay, I need to uh, research that. So I went back and bottom line is, yes, it is based on the Latin word, uh, M-A-L in our language, mal. What confused me was the M-A-L-E, which on that site, I was assuming for the reasons given that it was male gender, but when I researched it, M-A-L-E is actually the French version of M-A-L. <laughs> so it still means bad, evil. Yeah. So we wanted to correct that. Uh, we apologize if there's any confusion on that. But we're not going to apologize for how we explain the Word of God as it's given to us. And we want to thank Danny. Yes. Our, our a faithful listener and for the feedback. And we, again, want to continue to uh, ask you to provide your feedback, either in person or via our email. Right, right. Well, good uh, day to everybody. Our current event focuses on the LGBT movement. If we name a new gender, that's what it is. Mm. That seems to be the situation. We uh, got a response saying we were doing a lot of harm to the LGBT movement just based on our previous podcast. But I think we will explain again what the Bible says and that the uh, the harm that is coming uh, to people and to children is from uh, the people who are pushing this movement as it is. Yeah, I think we do a greater harm by not standing up for the things that we should. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So currently, it's called the LGBTQIA plus movement. Uh, L, lesbian, G, gay, which usually means male homosexuality. Uh, B, uh, bisexual, which means sometimes I'm lesbian, sometimes I'm gay. It goes back and forth. And then transgender. That means not the birth gender, but the one I choose. Mm. I maybe have been born biologically a male, but now I choose to be a woman. We must stay up front, categorically. The word transgender as a word has no content. Mm. It's bogus. Uh, Leah Thomas, talking about current events, uh, was a man, now claims to be a woman, enrolled in women's competition at Penn State, uh, and he has been breaking women's records. Well, of course. Much to the frustration of the women athletes. Yes, they, they are they are frustrated. We've been reading reports from them. Uh, he's, a, he's a male. He's stronger. He's got the advantage. Then there's the Q stands for queer. That sometimes uh, means not hetero as such, but also questioning sexual identity. So it's sort of a, 
elastic word. Then there's I for intersex, biological abnormalities encompassing both genders. So uh, that hermaphrodite? Hermaphrodite would yeah. be the technical term, mm -hmm. as I as I believe. Uh, then the A is for asexual, for whatever reason, meaning you're just not into sex. Celibate, mm. we might say. And then the plus is for genders yet to be named. Mm. I mean, there's male or female. Apparently there's three, four, or five. Sometimes this view is known as pansexual. We are living in an era of lies as a guide to life. Randy's going to read Psalm 12, verses 1 through 4. Save, O Lord, for the godly one is gone. For the faithful have vanished from among the children of man. Everyone utters lies to his neighbor. With flattering lips and a double heart they speak. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips, the tongue that makes great boasts. Those who say, with our tongue we will prevail, our lips are with us, who is master over us? With our tongue we shall prevail. Hmm. This is what we're seeing today. The Christian expectation is simple. Speech is given to name things as they are. Abandoning this leads to a twisted view of reality. Proverbs 8, 12 through 13. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance, and the way of evil in perverted speech I hate. There you go. Perverted speech, meaning speech that does not conform to reality, as we shall see. Arrogance, Isaiah 45, 9 through 10, clearly shows us the acts of arrogance involved against the Creator. Woe to him who strives with him who formed him, a pot among earthen pots. Does the clay say to him who forms it, what are you making? Or, your work has no handles. Woe to him who says to a father, what are you begetting? And to a woman, with what are you in labor? Right. The, creation, the creature rebelling against the Creator. And that's what we're seeing here with this movement. Hmm. Uh, and again, Creator is banned from the public square. We go to Genesis chapter 2, and we'll be back there again a couple times more, to understand the phenomena of the purpose of human speech. So Randy's going to read Genesis 2, 18 and 19. Then the Lord God said, It's not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. Exactly. Later, uh, Randy will read the uh, text again with the added verses from another translation that makes it very clear. The footnote in the ESV on those verses says, help me or fit to him is the word means corresponding. He corresponds, she corresponds to him. Hmm. Notice in this passage, speech is not a result of interaction among humans over eons of time. It's not out of evolution that we get speech, but it's drawing on insight, which is to say biblical wisdom, to call things as they are. Notice in this story of Adam naming the animals, which to some people sounds quaint. It is very profound. It mm -hmm. involves the reason for human speech. Animals are named not, oh, here comes something that looks like a dog, we'll call him Spot. That's not what we're talking about. <laughs> this is actually naming reality as it is so that when the name is mentioned, it conforms to reality and people know what we're talking about, what Adam's talking about. Notice, it's just Adam by himself. He alone speaks. He names them. But he cannot name what isn't there in reality. Woman. Mm. 
you can't do it. So the naming in the Bible is a result of wisdom. Wisdom follows the pattern of creation and also of redemption. Notice this passage, which deals with calling things as they are, not as the world sees it, but as God sees it. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 18 through 21, then verse 25. For the word of the cross is folly for those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it's written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since, in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. There we go. That pretty well explains that as God sees things, as the world sees things, two different realities. One mm-hmm. is the reality of God, which comes out of his creation and how he redeems. The other is the world's idea of wisdom and what counts for strength. It's interesting. You know, so many people I, I come across who, you know, aren't believers, but they, they just really buck at the idea that who is God and what gives him the right to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to be master or to make these declarations. And again, it's, it's, a, it's a rebellion against the Creator. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, either we accept the fact that God is God or we will be in rebellion. Yeah. And that affects our speech and how we describe things. The world does not name things as they are, as we see from that passage. The Bible does. Truth and creation, truth and redemption. To name is to describe an entity's reality, its place in the chain of life. Note these Two name changes that God gives to people, uh, clearly indicating a new reality for each one. Genesis 32, 28, Randy's going to read, it's the great scene where Jacob wrestles with a man, turns out to be the Lord, at the river Jabbok as he's waiting in tension and all kinds of concern for the coming of his brother Esau. He also gets his hip uh, wrenched out of place. It doesn't end well. Yeah, WWF situation with him does not end well. Genesis 32, 28. Then he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Yep. So he got his name changed to Israel, one who strives with God and prevailed. Wonderful. That's a new reality for Jacob. John chapter 1, verses 40 through 42, we get the uh, sometimes mercurial <laughs> left to right, swinging like a, a reed in the wind, Peter uh, a new name, which he finally eventually lives up to. John chapter 1, 40 through 42. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Yes, Peter meaning rock. Mm-hmm. Rock. He is named the rock. And so how does that work? Well, you look at Peter now as one who has been called the rock, looking for reality of of that to come to pass, which it eventually does. Mm -hmm. So naming is power. And here we see Adam made names, animal world, and we're going to see eventually the woman. Uh, God names people, changes their names, because they're going to enter into a new reality. God is the power who has this. He delegates it to us, as we see with Adam. 
naming is power. It makes the scene to be, quote, seen, mm. unquote. For instance, the emperor has no clothes. But if what is seen has no correspondence to reality, it's a false witness. Now, here's a quote about what I just said. The emperor has no clothes. The two swindlers arrive at the capital city of an emperor who spends lavishly on clothing at the expense of state matters. Posing as weavers, they offer to supply him with magnificent clothes that are invisible to those who are stupid or incompetent. Mm -hmm. The emperor hires them, and they set up looms and go to work. A succession of officials, and then the emperor himself visit them to check their progress. Each sees that the looms are empty, but pretends otherwise to avoid being thought a fool. Finally, the weavers report that the emperor's suit is finished. They mime addressing him, and he sets off in a procession before the whole city. Now, doesn't listen to this. This is so current with this whole controversy. The town folk uncomfortably go along with the pretense, <laughs> not wanting to appear inept or stupid, until a child blurts out that the emperor is wearing nothing at all. And the people then realize that everyone has been fooled. Now, get this, the last line. Although startled, the emperor continues the procession, walking more proudly than ever. <laughs> Which will be a point I'll make later. There's no point arguing with these people. Yeah. Uh, they are reality deniers. And children, by way of this story of the emperor, are those who always blurt out the truth in the most inconvenient places and circumstances. In, in opportune times yeah. as well. <laughs> That's, and I think when Jesus says to be into the kingdom, you must be like a child. One is, when you see the truth, it just comes out of your mouth. Yeah. And there, I can remember an incident years ago, I was maybe five years old, and my mom had been talking all day about some man who had a frozen puss, meaning face, mm -hmm. you know. And I, as I listened to the conversation, it's clear that it meant that he didn't have a, a nice face to look at, it. <laughs> that kind of yeah. face. So, Three, four hours later, we went shopping at uh, one of the local stores there. And I'm in line. I'm behind mom. And I'm looking up because I'm you know, five years old. And I see this guy who's checking us out. And I just look at his face. And I said to myself, that guy's got a frozen puss. <laughs> so I just grab mom and go pointing. Mom, is that the guy with the frozen puss? <laughs> <laughs> ah, we won't say what happened next. But I bet you there was a few people in line who said, hey, that that guy's really, he's right. <laughs> that guy does have a frozen. This is, this is the why we're going to use some children's examples coming here. Let's take a look now back at Genesis chapter 2, verses 20 through 23. The man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds of the sky, and to every wild animal. But for the man, no helper was found corresponding to him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over the man, and he slept. God took one of his ribs and closed the flesh at that place. Then the Lord God made the rib he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, This one at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman, for she was taken from man. Exactly. Fit for him. Now, Randy just read from the Christian Standard Bible, which takes the, the literal translation. That person who corresponds to him. The one who corresponds to him, mirror image, they fit, hand and glove. This is finally what he could not name before, now he can. He could not name what didn't exist, a woman. The uh, New English translation in verse 20 in the footnote says, The man's form and nature are matched by the woman's as she reflects him and complements him. P-L-E-M-E-N-T-S. Together they correspond. The Hebrew word actually means over against, opposite, and corresponding to. He says at last, 
He knows first this reality corresponds to him. He sees female gender for the first time and knows, despite their physical differences, this is a match, intuitively, biblical wisdom. He knows and he says so. So this insight is wisdom. His name matches the reality of her gender, her origin, and her relationship to him. She mm -hmm. corresponds to him. This is wisdom. It's interesting that in the uh, Bible, especially in the Old Testament, like Proverbs chapter 8, if you read all through that, wisdom is always pictured as a woman. Mm. Yes. So, secondly, he knows she came from him. He's not saying, I got a pain in my side. What do I have a pain in my side for? What's going on there? He just knows it. This is biblical wisdom when you have insight into reality and you can name it. So he names this new reality. He speaks her name, her reality, her place in the chain of God's creation. Therefore, speech is not a social construct, as so many people teach. Uh, it didn't come with evolution. It didn't develop or evolve as mankind supposedly evolved through the ages. When the Creator was banned from the public square, starting about the time of Darwin, man began to make up his own language. I'm going to quote a philosopher named Richard Rorty. And this is a, a section on who he is from Wikipedia. Let's just give you a little background on this guy called Richard Rorty, American philosopher. Uh, he's the one, says Wikipedia, and I agree with this from my previous studies, who came to reject the tradition of philosophy according to which knowledge involves correct representation, mm. a mirror of nature, of a world whose existence remains wholly independent of that representation. In other words, he's saying we can't know reality. There's no correspondence between what we say and what's out there. Mm. There's no mirror of nature in reality. Language can never represent reality. Rorty says that in the beginning of the 19th century, quote, the idea that truth was made rather than found began to take hold on the imagination of Europe. Rorty goes on to talk about the former ages had gone to the world structure to find an abiding truth already concealed within it by its creator. Modern men could no longer make that assumption. And then he says this, quote, the suggestion that truth is out there is a legacy of an age in which the world was seen as the creation of a being who had a language of his own. In other words, what we find in the Bible, mm. a creator who spoke about reality according to the truth of reality using words that describe that reality. That quote comes from um, a book called Christ in the Psalms, written by Pastor Patrick Reardon as he was commentating on Psalm 73. And so the roots for the LGBT movement, the transgender movement, lay down long ago. What does this all mean? That the language of the Bible is reality as God has established it. That's why we read that passage from 1 Corinthians. Mm -hmm. What you find in the Bible corresponds to the reality as it really is. To be with God, we must align ourselves with that reality. To do that, we've got to speak the truth. Truth points us to what is real. Now let's take a look at Psalm 12, verses 3, 4, and 6. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips, the tongue that makes great boasts. Those who say, with our tongue we will prevail, our lips are with us, who is master over us. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. There you go. That's reality in all of its clarity. That's why the words of the Lord are so pure, because they speak directly to what really is. Mm -hmm. In this case, male female, no third gender. Now, let's go to Lewis Carroll, famous author of a lot of 
tales dealing with children. Here's a quote from Alice in Wonderland. I have found this interesting in researching it. Uh, this is about making up new words for things. And again, children say out loud what adults cover up. Okay, Alice laughed, and she says to the queen, There's no use trying, Alice said. One can't believe impossible things. The queen says to Alice, I dare say you haven't had much practice. When I was your age, I always did it for half an hour a day. Why, sometimes I believed as many as six impossible things before breakfast. Now, why does Carol write these kind of things? Because this is how adults sometimes treat children. Mm -hmm. You know, they confuse them about what is real with the words. Today, we have a lot of queens and kings running the meta-narrative, meta meta believing impossible things. But more importantly, let's get down to the tax, <laughs> brass tax. Let's hear Humpty Dumpty. Here's a quote from Humpty Dumpty. This is from Lewis Carroll's Through the Looking Glass. Humpty Dumpty is speaking, and he says, When I use a word... Humpty Dumpty said in a rather scornful tone, it means just what I choose it to mean, neither more nor less. The question is, said Alice, whether you can make words mean so many different things. Mm. The question is, said Humpty Dumpty, which is to be master? And that's all. In other words, my words will master reality and shape it to my vocabulary, to my perception. Well, when adults don't speak words of truth to children, they become confused and frustrated. And this is the um, LGBT's movement, real problem with reality. Naming what isn't there and then manipulating adults and children to be that. Transgender, a word that has no content. In my day, we always said boys will be boys. These days, it's boys will be girls if they want to be. Mm. All right, To be masters. Now, why are we using what people would call fairy tales? Well, because sometimes you have to resort to a story to shock people back to reality. For example, there's a book called Animal Farm, George Orwell. Some mm -hmm. of you may have read that out there. It's about farm animals, pigs and chickens. Talking. Yeah, talking, but really it's about showing the problems of communism in a way in which people might not see it any other way. Look at C.S. Lewis's book, Narnia, uh, J.K. Rawlings, Harry Potter series. By the way, she has been affirmative in saying there are only two genders, and the movement the LGBT movement, has really come against her. She's receiving death threats. She, sa she says she can wallpaper her house now with all the death threats she's received because she said, look, there's men and women. Uh, women menstruate, men don't. Well, stories demonstrate truths in an impactful way. Jesus did it all the time. Exactly. Parables are another way of, of uh, reaching reality to people. So we tell stories, not lies, Stories which correspond to the truth when lies dominate the narrative. That's why Jonathan Swift wrote Gulliver's Travels, what people of his day just thought was appalling, but he was making a point using irony and sarcasm mm -hmm. about what was going on. Um, stories which correspond to the truth when lies dominate the narrative. Stories that catch us in our lives. The Old Testament classic story of a made-up story which makes a person come back to the truth is Nathan telling a story about the little ewe lamb to David. You are the man. Yeah. Now, yeah. did this story actually happen? No. But it was a story concocted to get David to confront his lies and mm -hmm. come back to reality. Yeah. Children's stories like Mother Goose, which I grew up on, speak to reality and story farm to help children deal with reality. Uh, the Goose Laid the Golden Egg. Great story about, you know, don't be greedy. Just like King Midas, who wanted everything to turn to gold that he touched until he touched the, his daughter. Uh, Hansel and Gretel, look out who invites you into your house. Mm -hmm. um, so, but today, Mother Goose is too much for children to handle. 
but uh, gender blending? No, no, that's that's okay. That's great. Listen to this quote from us. Lewis Smeads, theologian, used to be with Fuller. I don't even know if he's still around or not, but I remember years ago reading some of his books. The most distinctive feature of the Christian faith is its respect for the word, God's word first of all. The most to be feared attacks on the Christian faith go for the juggler of the word, twisting the word, denying the word, doubting the word. Now listen to this. He says, it is impressive how frequently the psalmists denounce and cry out for help against lying lips and flattering tongues, which we have read here today, far more than they feared murderers, adulterers, usurers, the Egyptians, they feared liars. When words are ruined, we are damaged at the core of our being. And thus the uh, T, transgender, and the plus of the LGBTQIA plus movement, looking for a reality that's not there. But of course they will go and say, oh, but there is transgender, transgender, transgender. And this is their line, say it often enough and it'll stick. So they drag people into conversation. So people are saying transgender, the whole word. So it's, they're hoping gaining a reality of its own. As my namesake, Joseph Garbles said once, tell a lie often enough and everyone will believe it. Yes. Well, we start off with Psalms. Let me repeat again, Psalms 12. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips, the tongue that makes great boasts. Those who say with our tongue, we will prevail and our lips are with us. Who is master over us? Just as Humpty Dumpty explained. Here's how it reads from a good old psalm by Asaph, Psalm 73, verses 9 through 11. They set their mouths against the heavens, and their tongue struts through the earth. Therefore his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Yes, uh, the NIV translates verse 9 this way. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their tongues take possession of the earth. Mm. And that is the LGBT, etc. movement, and trying to say transgender is a reality. It's not. You just don't change gender. Listen to this from Proverbs 18, 20 through 21. From the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. Exactly. Those who love to use that power for love will enjoy the fruit. Those who love that power against God, it always always brings death. Death of the words themselves mm. and death spiritually. Uh, here is Matthew 12. We all should reflect on this. Jesus is talking about words and how they work out at the judgment to come. Matthew 12, 36 through 37. I tell you, on the day of judgment... People will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. And as the Bible says, we want to be sure our words are God's pure words. They conform to reality as we find it in the Scripture. Truth versus the lie. Here's what Jesus says to his enemies in John 8, 43 and 44. Why do you not understand what I say? It's because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. 
Yes, they can't bear the word of Jesus because it conforms to reality. And they'd rather have the words of Satan, which are always lies, because Satan, with lying, wants to create his own reality. Yes, he's a murderer and a liar from the beginning. Quite frankly, as we see in Genesis 3, where he first appears, he murders the truth. Lies are always an attempt at creating a reality at odds with the truth. Today's example in current events is the LGBT movement. They're making it very hard to establish a lying reality. Let's speak as Scripture speaks, and we'll speak the truth. Lying is always here. Proverbs 14.5. A faithful witness does not lie, but a false witness breathes out lies. Yes. Now, here's a personal testimony. Take about a minute. Uh, I love the book of Proverbs, but over the years, I've often thought, why do they beat the nail till it falls off the other side of the board? You know, why do they beat the horse to death, especially on this matter of lies? When I was younger, I just never understood that. For instance, that one that, that Randy just read. Um, mm -hmm. Can you read that again, Randy? A faithful witness does not lie, but a false witness breathes out lies. Why do you have to state the obvious so many times? Well, about a month ago, going through the book of Proverbs, I came across this verse. And all of a sudden, and it's one of those things I've had before. I don't know how others will explain it. It's like a deepening of a word. You've always read it before in the Bible, but now it's, it's like it really sinks in. And I thought... Oh, now I know because lying is so important to this world, to the way the world runs itself. It's just horrible. So, and it's going to get worse as the end approaches. So we thank you for this time of this podcast. Well, thanks, Jim. And we have a lot to think about, and I'm sure that there are questions or comments on it. And we'd love to hear those questions or comments from you. So please send your questions and comments to eventsandexpectations at gmail.com. That's the word events, the word and, and the word expectations at gmail.com. We'll use your question or comment where possible, and we will always answer you. This has been Current Events and Christian Expectations. And until next time, keep looking up.